0: Hello, and welcome to I Am Dad Podcast with your fatherhood authority, Kenneth Braswell. 30 minutes of wisdom, information, resources, and nuggets to help you on your fatherhood journey. Or maybe you're just curious and want to hear some real talk about fatherhood, family, and the minds of men. Well, guess what? We got you too. Sit back, grab your pad and pen, and maybe even bring a little something to sip on. Enjoy 30 straight minutes of fatherhood, family, and fun with the Fatherhood Authority
1: kenneth braswell welcome to i am dad podcast i'm your host kenneth braswell i'm here in kansas city at the nasky's national uh, family engagement summit where people are here from all over the country talking about um, education and the need for increased parental engagement Um, And we have had the pleasure, or I have had the pleasure to be with some of my great, great friends who are doing and toiling in this space of Responsible Fatherhood, and we were able to come together. And Natsuki was generous enough to give us our own track and I'm telling you, I've just came out of one. I've been in my guests, I'll talk about it in a moment. and have stepped and stuck my head in and took a couple of pictures. And I think every last one of our workshops was fulfilled to that capacity, sense, yeah. which speaks to need, right? And speaks to uh, folks wanting to know more and more about this information. And so, but my good friend with me today is Mike Hall. He is the visionary and founder, creator, orchestrator, sustainer of strong fathers, strong families out of Texas, although he does work around the country, we cross paths and have crossed paths for many years in this work. Uh, Mike doesn't know that his work inspires some of the work that I've done in the space of education, because I just, you know, we all can't do it all and we all need to be in spaces to be able to find out how to encourage our families and particularly our fathers to be more engaged in the academic lives of their children. And so as I've watched Mike over the years doing the work in um, Texas and New Mexico and in the spaces that I would never go into and watch how not only he is successful in doing that, but how he has morphed his own personality into being the kind of person that has a level of empathy, sympathy, respect, commitment, joy, passion for the various that for the various diversities of people that he worked with in that space um so to get to know mike is to love mike and so <laughs> and that's just how it goes how you doing mike i'm doing good i'm doing good i appreciate the opportunity no thank you so much mike i start all of my guests off on i am dad by asking them to tell me their daddy story and their daddy story can be from the perspective of a story about their own dad or could be from their perspective of being a dad
2: so you're gonna make me cry on a podcast so um and, and going, and I appreciate what you said about our work in education, and, and you know, and, and what you guys are doing. And you know, when we first started in this space, what twenty-something years ago, you know, I was trying to find my way. I was an educator, and and so I live on a street named after my great grandfather. Mm-hmm. I knew my great grandfather. He lived to be hundred and four. Like he he passed away when I was. He's my great grandfather. He passed away when I was eighteen. You know, so I knew him, he knew me. I was one of his 72 great grandkids, but he, he had the wherewithal the he, if he didn't know me, I mean, we all look alike. So the whole family is like, <laughs> you're a hall for sure. There's no doubt. Um, but you know, his, his wife who had been a school teacher knew all of us, but I live on a street named after him on a place, grew up on a place that he didn't uh, live on, but owned. My great grandfather bought it from him. My dad bought it from him. We, we moved there and, and raised our kids there. And I, and I bought another place, you know, that's there. And in the middle of this work, you and I know, you know, with your spit and anger and the different things where people are talking about the space that wasn't, the, the, the situation that wasn't there and the challenges that men face and how do we, how did dads become better dads when they maybe didn't have that background and we know the, the trauma and, the, and the, you know, the work that has to be done around that. Well, I came from this legacy and I'm like, well, what am I doing here? Because hmm. I didn't have that, you know, Everybody's got that story. You know, I I don't do motivational speaking because they want to talk about what they overcame. I'm like, Mm -hmm. how I overcame my (laughs) two-parent nuclear family, which is traumatic in its own way. Absolutely. I've I've done enough work at 56 to go, oh, no, yeah, we screwed up people. Mm. But um, what I realized there, too, is part of my work has been um, this is what it could look like. Mm. You know, and you could lose your legacy at any time. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my kids are doing well. I'm proud of them. I think they'll go on. They'll, you know, and the legacy changes, which I'm okay with. But, you know, to have that conversation with people. And the other thing I appreciate is, is talking about, um, you know, I've been, I tell people I've been a white guy like almost my whole life. Mm. And they're like, really? I was like, yeah, I experimented in college. And they're like, I don't, what does that mean? I'm like, just let it sit, you right, know, right, right. Whatever, it's a joke. <laughs> but to be in those different, you know, what I started doing was just, okay, dads love their kids. Absolutely. And when we first started this business, people were pigeonholing both of us and other people like you guys work with these dads mm-hmm. and like, no, no, we, we're trying to work with dads in the spaces where we can work with dads in and, 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 whoever shows up, that's who we want to work with. Absolutely. So, you know, I learned more Spanish. I do my presentations in Spanish now. Um, <laughs> it used to be when I would come home from an event or whatever, my wife would be like, how was it? And she would know where I w- had been. She's like, well, how was it? I said, man, we had dads all up in that cafeteria. And she's like, you're in south dallas today i'm like how'd you know he's like well you sound like you've been in south dallas and so to be in those environments and to respect the cultures that are there but also my one of my bigger jobs kind of from this point is to say look all these dads. i don't have dads that don't love their kids i don't have dads that don't show up i don't go to a school and we have a minority group that's going to be a minority group of dads if it's 40 percent. African-American, 40%, Hispanic, 20% Anglo. Whatever the mix is, that's how our dads show up. Mm -hmm. And so I appreciate that being said because there is a place where I want people to know we're all trying to do work with the dads that we come across. And when we have that mix of cultures, the one thing that dads begin to realize is we're, I say, what did you learn about other dads? And they almost say, we're all in the same situation. We all love our kids. You know, we look at our evaluations. What did you learn about other dads today? We all love our kids. We're all in the same boat. You know, and but they didn't know that because the guy spoke a different language, had a different skin color, wore a different set of clothes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. And then my joke is, but it's really true. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how many of you found out we're all tired and broke? Right. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But there's that commonality around. I just want good things for my kids. Mm-hmm. And guys that don't look like me, guys that may have been in some situation, guys that have never been in a situation still have. Their own set of challenges and their own set of dreams, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I think uh, we're trying to convey here at this conference, and other ones. Like, you don't have a set of dads that won't come to be with their kids, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Yeah, you know, I had a chance to talk to one of our good friends, um, well, two of our good friends, but particularly now, I'm talking about Eric Snow, um, who's been around for a while doing this work. I just learned that he was been he has been doing this work for 25 years. I was like, man, you got 20 years on me, and I know Mike got years on me as well. Um, but when you, I was telling him about the panel, we were talking about the panel that we were on the other day, and I kind of jokingly said to somebody I was talking to, and they was like, hey, how did your day work? I was like, I sat on a panel that had about 100 years of fatherhood <laughs> yeah. experience. I don't know who makes up the 100. Right. And what does that mean? But I know it means something. Right. Right? And so when you kind of think about the um, legacy and longevity of your work, and having to be here, and even having to have the conversation we were having, right? It seems like the conversation we were having um, the other day was the same conversation you and I have been having for over 20 years. Did it seem like to you in that conversation that our answers had changed from 20 years ago?
2: Yeah, because when we first started this, we didn't know what we didn't know. And and things have changed, so I am preaching less than I used to. Like, to your point of, you know, it used to be you need to know that dads are valuable to what you're trying to do for kids. And I think we have less of that, which I think we should take a lot of credit for because we've got those 100 years. It's like the reason it's changing because we've been preaching for so long. Yeah. But the other piece of that is now we've got a lot more people going, I get it, how? We still got a lot of people. who are coming around. They're new to it. They have their own assumptions. They have their own situations and traumas. Um, and, they, and the assumptions are so hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in the African-American father space, t- when I tell people that that's the most active group of fathers, most engaged group of fathers for kids zero to five, they look at it like like, why well, haven't I heard that? I said, I'd love to know too. Right, right. I don't know why, because we, we're working yeah, on yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> um, but so I think the answers have changed in some respects of there's, a, the culture has changed to, to a more positive way, but there's still a lot of how mm-hmm. and The how is, the reason the how is not as easy is because we all, all of us as a group of, what I like about our group of guys that are working with fathers, we all kind of have our lane that are very complimentary in lots of different ways. Um, And I think we can come together and collaborate on those things. But there's so many different hows we got to talk about. You know, whether you're in the social justice space, whether you're in the, you know, criminal justice space, whether you're in education and also what realm of education are you talking about, because I do zero to three, three to five, mm-hmm. elementary, you know we, we don't do as much high school work as I'd like to do, but to the point we made in one of the sessions was, if you're doing the work in pre-K and elementary you're going to have less work you have to do in high school, mm-hmm. but you've got to be intentional about raising those dads up, you've got to catch dads at birth, you've got to catch dads at three, you've got to catch them through that, yeah. but the how um, outside of platforms and social media and things, which I don't think I don't think impact our dads as much as we think because I don't, dads are on there, but that's not, it's still gotta be face to face. It's still gotta be in groups. It's still gotta be Absolutely. in gatherings.
1: Yeah,
2: um, But yeah, to your point, the culture has changed and we're doing less preaching, but right. we still got plenty of work to do. And I'm all, my stuff works. I can fill a cafeteria and I can see the smiles and I can do that. But I'm also like, but what, what group have I not reached yet? Or what way have I not turned that guy's dial just a little bit more? I'll give you an example. I was in a school district that I won't mention, and this school said, we want to do our program at 430, but all your stuff says 6. And I said, because we need to be at 6. People can't get off work and get there. Mm. And they said, well, our families will come at 430. And they were in a very poor part of this town, so it was a lot of grandparents raising grandkids. So it's a, you know, I call it the early bird specials. <laughs> and, they, and they were. They were getting 40 of these families of grandparents raising grandkids. And I said, that's great, but if you, looking at your student population – I'm expecting you to have 120 to 140 families. And they're like, yeah, but we get 40. And I said, hold up, you need to understand what I'm telling you about. I'm not trying to just get a full room. I want you to pick 80 kids off your school roster and call them and say, look, your success and the connections you need and want to have with your family are not important enough for us to start another hour and a half later. Right. And because right. it's like, it's, I don't know out of that. Cr- I want a crowd because I want people to see that energy. I want a crowd because I want to reach more people. But I don't know until I get all those people in the room. Who am I going to make the most difference for? Mm-hmm. Thing is, I may never know. Mm-hmm. We, got great, we all got great stories. Mm-hmm. But I want to get as many people in the room to hear that message. And I think that's, that's where we're working is the how is still filling the room. The how, is, how do we provide that message in such a way that it's sticking? Right. Right. Um, you know, and, there, and I think we're always learning that. And then about the time we figure out the lesson and how it sticks, the stickiness has to change, you know, whether that's through <laughs> the, the stuff we're doing. But, yeah, I think uh, I, I've been back to Head Starts that I've trained over the years because there's so much turnover and there's mm-hmm. so many new people. And mm-hmm. then I go to a school where I've been for a while, and I'm like, how many have never been to a Strong Fathers program? Four, I've been there the last five years. I've been there every year for five years, and I got 40% raised in their hands. So they're not all new but you just still got to keep punching. You got to still keep yeah, yeah, poking yeah. and you're still going. But yeah, the how uh, will change, but I think that's the
1: thing we got to go on, you know. You know, one of, the things, one of the things that I was thinking about is when I look at, when I, I try very hard never to compare. Right. Um, because I think compliment is the word. It's never right. compare It's compliment. But when I look at strategy and how we look at things and how we've ended up in the spaces that we're in, I do see differences. And they could be just the way I'm seeing them or they can be the reality of how they have occurred. And one of the things I wanted to ask you was, when you think about strong fathers, strong families, when you look at it now, did it feel like you walked into the work or you backed into the work? And and what I mean by that is, I oftentimes feel like I backed into the work, right? right? That I came into it and I had this idea that I wanted to be a servant to dad to help them in whatever issues they were dealing with around things like child support and and custody and parenting time. And then when I got in the mix of this, I realized, oh shoot, like this is not the issue. This is a symptom of the yes, issue, Yes. right? And now I got to be able to focus on these things that are causing what these guys are dealing with. And so when I say back in, that's kind of how right. I feel like I've gotten to where I am today because I started here and it backed me into this much bigger and broader space. How about yourself?
2: Yeah, and so, you know, the, I originally started this because all the kids coming through my office with behavior and academic problems either had no dad in the home, which we understand, but we had a ton of dads at home that weren't connected to their kids' education. And my first inclination was, these guys don't care about their kids. I had the same assumption that so many people had. And then as I started doing this work, I'm like, no, these guys are showing up like nobody's ever invited them. Right. So we worked so hard on that invitation, and we worked hard on our programs to make sense. Our programs are academically based because I'm a, I'm a teacher, and a, you know I tell people I'm a recovering middle school principal. Um, but the academic is what puts us in the spaces for them, you know, why are you doing academic? Well, I believe in it, and that's, that's what dads are good for, but I'm, my, my mission is connect dads to the kids. Mm, yes. And schools have all the kids, so that's where I'm doing my work, but I've got to also check boxes for them. But t- what happened was I realized my first part of the message was these dads are not only important, you've got to involve them, but they'll actually show up. And then in the know, last year, kind of part of the reflection we're talking about is well what's the deal well there's trauma within the people working in the schools Uh, i i do an exercise in my training when i do a full staff training write down one negative thing and positive thing about your own father they're like we're starting there you know and and it's say you know they don't put their name with it or whatever but i tell them If you had a great dad, you have a bias against the guys walking in that don't look like your great dad. I said, but a lot of you, he walks in like, he looked like my ex. He's not your ex, he's that child's father. So talking about backing into that is, okay, what are the things going on? And then also, uh, what are the underlying things that are keeping dads off that campus? And you know, we gotta be safe, but schools are so vigilant and but we have we have no record of men going on you know fathers for sure going on the campuses and harming children right Absolutely. but yet when we talk about bringing dads onto the campus we have that assumption and so part of what i've backed into is we've got to change you know, I've been trying to change the cultural narrative of, again, these dads are, de- like, they ask me about machismo, and I'm like, man, I don't see it. These guys show up, and they love their kids, and they're tenderhearted dudes, and they may be hombres, man. They may mm. be hardcore, mm. hard-working men. You give them baby girl, they are, they're done. They're mm. done. But changing that narrative, but also we've got to change the narrative about, like you said, what are the underlying things going on? The good conversation at this conference has been our parents love their kids, Mm -hmm. But what are our structures Mm -hmm. doing for or against helping them do the job that we're asking them to do in schools? And it's the same thing for death. How do our structures keep us? Like, I've done some of the work you're talking about where we're doing job services and and employment and, and all these different things. And that's a real issue. But, you know, right now, because what people were doing originally, particularly with Head Start, was we got to get this dad straightened out, then we can let him be a parent. <laughs> right. And I said he didn't. First off, I, I got two grown kids and I ain't been straightened out yet. Right. Secondly, that kid doesn't have time to wait. Mm-hmm. But what we've learned is, if you get this guy into his role as a father and let him understand how important he is, he starts taking care of so many things that yeah, services can't fix. Right. Absolutely. But that's where that's what I've backed into is like, no, mm-hmm. let's provide the opportunity. We can always you now the beauty of getting a cafeteria full of dads. Is I'll, I, I don't have 200 guys that need a certain service. But out of that 200 guys, there's some people that we could really get hooked into mm-hmm. certain things. Uh, like, we have a longer class that we wouldn't ask 200 guys to go to. Right. There's guys hungry for that out of that group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I backed into kind of those things of, okay, what are the auxiliary things that we need to be looking mm-hmm. at?
1: How often do you labor, because this is another conversation that I told... Um, Eric, that I was going to get you on and me, particularly me, you and him, and maybe one other person that I'm thinking about. And this thing about sustainability, right? And so we walked into this with a passion to do a piece of work and we wanted to do good for whatever we wanted to do good for. And then one morning we woke up and realized, shoot, this is not just a, um, this ain't weekend warrior stuff. This is a, Freaking business, right. and I gotta run this thing, and I gotta figure out how I'm gonna sustain it. And some of the things that I develop has gotta be in that realm of the conversation, and right. not so much in getting up and talking to a bunch of men every day. And that's what I do every day for the rest of my life, because even that needs resources to be right. done. How much of um, your time do you spend on thinking about the organization itself and the sustainability, the longevity of the organization? Strong fathers, strong families.
2: Yeah, so we, you know, Eric and I go back, and we had some, we had a lot of work that we did with National PTA. And I was working, actually, with the group that he was with, National Center for Fatherings, and we're, we're talking. And I'm trying to do these, I'm trying to do these emails out to all my dads, like they're doing, and different people. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm talking to dads every day, so I don't have time to write to them every day. I don't have those same resources. I, I got this guy that could write, but he can't do it all the time, da-da-da-da. And then it was a guy that was a CEO for just a short time there at National Center, and he said, we want to be the emotional thought leader for dads in this country. And it hit me like, I don't <laughs> you know but that was the first time it hit me like I was trying to do all the things I thought I was supposed to do. Right. My goal as strong fathers is to build the culture in such a way like like PTA. PTA is a we know who it is we know what the, even though they're changing things, mm-hmm. we know what they're about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's from an organizational standpoint, business standpoint, I want to see that happen. but I want it to be standard that we're inve- engaging dads in such a way that really you need less of my resources because they're part of the whole mix. We have to do specific fatherhood events to get dads in, mm-hmm. but we need the system to let them integrate, and we need dads to integrate into the system. But the, the long-term goal is, what can I do, instead of telling everybody they should, now I want to I move our business to, we know, we, we get it, what do you have? Because those things will change. My best stuff, my best stuff, all the stuff that is amazingly magical, great stuff that people are like, that's amazing. I tripped over it. Mm -hmm. Like all the stuff I thought was cool. (laughs) It was like, that worked. And then I'm like, I might try this. I I don't know. I'm kind of grasping at straws and those straws are like, those are the ones you're supposed to grasp at. And I'm always looking Mm -hmm. for those opportunities of, okay, this stuff works. I know how to set it up. I hate going to sell stuff, except I want everybody, I'm selling, I'm trying to sell the idea and you got to ask for money to Mm -hmm. get the ideas. You know, it's like, if you could just take the idea, and I, I need a sugar daddy is what I really need, somebody mm, pay my bill. Yeah. But it, to the point, I also need people with skin in the game. Right. And and there there is a use of, like, we're all trying to work on federal money, but I want it to be useful. I want to use every one of those dollars to the best of our ability to do the most work. So what are the ways that we, this becomes just in the flow, man. It's in the current. And, you know, like when you're watching the river go by, you see a leaf, you're not surprised. Mm. And we want to be like, when you see dads in schools, you're not surprised. When you see dads in leadership in schools, when you see dads that aren't in leadership, but he just comes in and is comfortable. Right. You got that new dad coming in. You got that dad coming from incarceration that doesn't feel like he can't be a part of his kid's education mm-hmm. because of marks on his face or marks on his record, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the sustainability is, yeah, I want to do things that you just know. You can go get that resource. You can put it to use. Like we put stickers on all our kids for the events. Mm-hmm. And it increases our attendance 10 to 15%. We stole that from PTA. PTA used to have a roll of stickers that they put on, kids. at said, PTA meeting tonight.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, that's, we, want, we want our stuff to be like, and I'm very proud of when people come up and go, I, was, I saw you in 07. And I'm like, where in the world do you know <laughs> 07? I saw you in 07, and you said this. You know, They took two sentences out of my two-hour training. Mm-hmm but they implemented it and it's part of their culture and part of their texture. And that's what I want us to do. And, you know, like I said, we've influenced each other mm-hmm. and that's been to the betterment. Um, I want us to find more and more ways where as much as I want you to love me and come get my stuff and pay me to come and <laughs> talk. I want to know that when I make those two or three sentences that, and I don't know which sentences hook which person.
1: Right. Absolutely. But I
2: want I want all those leaves flowing by where people can pick that up, see it. Right. And, and the sustainability is going to come from everybody
1: getting it right but we got so much work to get but I do think for you you know while we don't kind of think so much about what are the two sentences they're going to get or even the two words right? right and so like I think when people walk away and I was when I was in your workshop the other day listening to you my mind was like if I was a educator that just walked into this space and didn't know anything that he was talking about or I was a male in that space or a dad in that space struggling with my own issues, trying to be an educator to do work, but still dealing with my right, own stuff on the back end. Yeah. I was listening to you and I was like, I would be inspired right now. Like I would I would be leaving here trying to figure it out. I may mm-hmm. not know what I'm gonna right. do. And that comes from not so much what you say, but how I feel about what you say. Right that is a skill set that is a skill set of someone who understands who they're talking to and don't necessarily have to be labor on because you were doing one other thing that i said i actually talked about you and when i started my workshop and i said i've stuck my head in all of my guys workshops and i've seen what they said. and my task in my mind was to come in here and not say the same thing they said right so how can i Pull what they were talking about and then stay in a space. And my tactic was you know what? Because the workshop was called What About That? Because there's a whole training that we have about that. But when I was preparing the PowerPoint, I changed what about that to let's talk about that. Right. And when I said let's talk about that, it's like, okay, now let's take some stuff that I heard already this morning, let's throw some things Mm -hmm. out there, because I think that if people begin to gain some level of passion about what they're hearing, they're going to be inspired to do something. Because at the end, I said, listen, I said, what you did not see in my presentation is a lot of research but I can drown you in research right. if you want it. <laughs> uh, you did not hear me do a lot of you know, A, Bs, and Cs, top three lists, the Cs of doing this. Right. I'm not doing any of that stuff, but what I want every one of you to walk out of this room with today is to be compelled to want to do something, and when you do it, to make sure that that is inclusive of fathers. When we come back, um, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, strong fathers and strong families. So I want Mike to actually explain and talk to you all about, A, what should you expect when you walk into one of his sessions and what is the outcome of, of that encounter uh, with strong fathers, we'll be right back. Hello, I'm Kenneth Braswell, CEO of Fathers Incorporated. Are you a dad tangled in the web of child support, struggling to spend quality time with your child or seeking assistance with legitimation? If so, I'm extending an exclusive invitation to you at Gentle Warriors Academy. It's not just a program, but a community where we embrace fatherhood as a brotherhood. Visit us today at GentleWarriorsAcademy.com or call 770-804-9800. Welcome back to I Am Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell. Uh, We're here in Kansas City at Nafsky's National uh, Family Engagement. They didn't put the word community in there. I'm not understanding why they left out the word community, but family is community, right? (laughs) Community is family. And so we're here with people from all over the country really trying to figure out how to strengthen this whole notion of family engagement. We've struggled with this in all the spaces that I've been in for a number of different reasons. And you think that if they're struggling with holistically family engagement, they are really struggling with including fathers in the educational right. lives of their right. children. Mike, talk to us a little bit about Strong Fathers and talk to us about what people should expect when, they, when you come to their schools and help them start programming.
2: Yeah, our, our bread and butter work is what we call strong schools. What happened was, I started out trying to work with dads. You know, after I was a principal, I did some dad work. I, I studied with some guys out of Austin, and I did what the first thing I did was called Bring Your Dad to School Day, mm-hmm. and that's where I started. And we were going with dads till noon. Mm-hmm. Like we were asking them to come for a half day, and they were there, and most of them were hanging in there. But man, they're on their phones at recess. You know, just so. And this was before they all have phones. This was a long time ago. And I'm like, but I, I knew as a principal, if we could get dads in the class and see what their kids are going through. So that slowly evolved into about 45 minutes. And we found that 45 minutes is about all. The kids can stand, the parents can stand, the teachers can stand. <laughs> but we wanted dads to come in and see a regular day. And I thought when I first started this, that's what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life is bring your dads everywhere. <laughs> and that was going to be my thing, right? And we did that, and they were very successful. And we, you know, we've honed that down to, to what it is today. I'll talk about that in a second. And then somebody said, we like this, but you, we got a math initiative. You got a math program? And I did what I normally do. I lied and said yes, and then went and wrote my math program. And that one has, has sustained itself pretty well. It's pretty close to what we had started with, even though you know finer points are very, very sharp. Um, and what what I knew, back to your point earlier, was how do we sustain this? Because I was like, I'm going to go all over the country. I can't be everywhere. Mm. And so, okay, I know how to do this, and I'm good at it. But it had you know had my weird personality in it and all those things. Okay, but... What, what are we doing here that works, first off, that works? Every time you do it, it's working. And then what, is, what can we do that's working that we can help people replicate? You know, so when you come see my program, man, I've been doing this 20 years. I'm so good at this. Mm-hmm. But how do I hand a manual to somebody or hand them a structure that when you do this, no matter what your experience is or no matter how unbrave you may be, you know, I'm fearless in front of a crowd. That's, never, that's just my thing. Mm-hmm. But not everybody's like that, and we've had to understand that. So we, we do a dad and, bring your dad to school day, dad and kid math night, dad and kid reading night, dad and kid science night. That's for strong schools in the pre-K fifth grade, even through up through middle school. We call it Strong Start for Head Start, and it's built a little different for three to five-year-olds. But when you come, like, in, if you came to be trained by us, we would show you how to do all these things, and everything is like clockwork. And what we found is when you do these things in this order, they just work. Mm. And, and, you know, and people say, how'd you come, how'd you be so successful? Well, what, we were lucky because all we had to do was invite dads. We were successful initially because we just thought they should come and we asked them to come. Okay, now what, how are you going to manage that crowd? So we found more ways to manage that because I, I, I want to stay in business, right? I want to do that. And so all of those things came down to that. And what's crazy is no matter what Community I'm in no matter what schools or schools or schools like parents or parents or parents. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a different culture Yeah, but you're still a school and you still have these parameters You still your halls look the same (laughs) your structures look the same. So run your program like this So when they come they can see us running all those same things that are in that manual if they were to be trained They would see all these major points that you have to hit that are not hard. They're very simple but they're very important in and of themselves and that is how, when we talk about sustainability, it's like once you learn to do this, like we sell our curriculum one time to a campus. It's a bad business model. I should be asking them to re-up and buy supplies for me every year uh, all yeah. this stuff, but as a, as a former principal, I don't want them to not be able to do good work because their budget didn't come back in. Right, right, right. Once you know this and know these techniques, then run them with them, use them because they're working over and over. Mm-hmm. What that also has begun to do is, like we talk about family engagement and I'm trying to get the fathers involved. I'm finding that our stuff is sometimes the only family engagement they got because they won't – what we've learned works can be – those concepts can be translated in other things you're doing. Like we send out to save the date.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You should be doing that with – you should be telling families a month ahead instead of Monday before right. Thursday. Right, absolutely. But nobody came because right. you told them Monday before Tuesday night. Nobody right. has time to – so that – well, that's a simple thing. Mm-hmm. But we, we're finding that all the things that we – you know, these big rocks, these mm-hmm. big concepts mm-hmm. – that's a, that's a way to do it. So use that in everything you're doing. So when people come in, it's like this thing works like clockwork. And people know me as ADD, as I'm like, how does this guy ever work like clockwork? Well, I know mm-hmm. part of the reason I have to work like clockwork is because I could take it anywhere. I could take it all places. Mm-hmm. But those concepts of there's a, there's a method, and those methods may change. But I think we have to, even in you know, you and I, we we kind of banded together in these phone calls we had. And said it needs to be called father engagement because yeah. we don't want to water down the message right. with whatever words you're trying to throw in there. Mm-hmm. Well, what about these people? Uh, we got uh, those people are fine, but our, our focus for this particular thing is fathers, right. so let us not move away from that message. And also not let us shotgun this effort into everything. Right. Let's stay focused on what we're trying to do. Yeah. You know, and I think that when we talk about what happens is you're gonna come in and go, these are proven methods that work for anybody that will follow those i i used to think you had to be trained when you got my manuals cuz you do, you just didn't get it mm-hmm. i also didn't believe i could write something that people could follow <laughs> and i'm very proud and surprised that people have bought it we've trained them they they leave the school and that's one reason we license it by the campus mm-hmm. cuz people are going to change but you bought it you keep it keep doing this thing mm-hmm. Because if you don't, the dads will come back and say, what happened to that stuff we used to do with our kids? Right. So keep it on campus, keep it branded, keep that thing. But I've been very proud. People said, we found your manuals, we picked it up, we did it. I'm like, you didn't call me. They're like, no, we, we thought we could do it, and they could. Right, right, right. But that's that thing. And even when you and I talk about things, what are, and I think we see this some at the federal level now that we didn't see years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in there when, when we first started trying to get fathers involved in Head Start. Mm-hmm. Now yes. it's it, now it's codified in the PFCE. Absolutely, yeah. And and so at least the again, there's still a lot of how yes. and why. There's mm-hmm. still why, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but it's codified.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, you and I had something to do with that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's the preaching that we did do. There's like, okay, that's a great idea, but nobody's required to do it. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to talk about families, you got to talk about the other that half of the family. Absolutely, you know. And yes. so I think. Uh, standard practice that works every time that again may may be nuanced down the down the way because things change but these are these are the, the foundational pieces that we build on and that's like the stuff that i'm offering is foundational pieces. we're always looking to change things looking to add to looking to how do we take what we know and then now transform it into another area mm-hmm. you know like and those concepts will change but the The bottom line of inviting dads doesn't change. Absolutely. Understanding the culture and time. We used to do Saturday morning programs. I called it, and it really was a suburban white idea. Mm -hmm. Get them in by 8.30 so they don't decide to do something else. Start by 9, be out by noon. Well, we had these families coming in late, and they were always Hispanic families, and they were always dressed to the nines. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, we're seeing this, what's going on? I began to go to Walmart and what we call La Puga, which is a flea market. And I'm like, these families are out in droves. And what it was, we began to talk to people. Mom's at home all week with the kids, right. dad's out working and he's gonna work five and a half days. He's gonna spend Saturday morning setting up or taking down for what he's about to do, what he did this week or what he's about to do. So these guys were, he was working, he's like, you know, mom's on the phone, we got this thing, you gotta go. He shows up and she's like, you're taking me somewhere, I've been in this house all week, yeah. I've been working. We changed it to 12.30 to 3.30 and we had all those families showing up because that was their rhythm. Mm -hmm. and so what's the new standard well the new standard is you can do this okay but what about in these communities with these challenges or or opportunities do it here right right, right. and also by ending at 3 30 they still got time to go to the birthday parties whatever they do on a saturday in that community right um and it's the same thing we do mornings and people say that our dad's work yeah but particularly in a commuter town commuter community they're gonna come by school and it's way easier to get them in the morning than to have them fight their way back for the evening mm-hmm. and be tired. And people are like, that doesn't make sense. I said, it doesn't, except it makes sense because it works. Right. Well, so it's that whole, that whole thing that we're trying to build. Yeah,
1: into. well, you know, the thing is what you're talking about in principle, which is something that I always say, is like, you know, don't program for excuses.
2: Right, exactly. Thank
1: right, you. don't program for excuses. It's like, you know, they can't be there at eight o'clock. Why? Right. Right. Well, they might be tired. That's an excuse. That's not a reason. Nobody's told you that. You're assuming all that things. Right. Right. And I told Jim earlier, I was talking to him and he was talking about something and I said, um, questions are the destroyer of assumptions.
0: Right.
1: If someone gives you an assumption or gives you an excuse, you ask another question. Right. And you ask questions until you get a reason. Right. And what you're going to find oftentimes they're not is that people don't have reasons. Right that what they're really trying to say to you, Mike, when you say, you know, i like to come to your school and I like at this program, it's been proven, I'm, I'm, I'm serving, I'm doing this. And they say, oh, you know, we did something and our dads are not going to show yeah, up. All the time. It's like, that is really saying to you, I ain't really trying to hear nothing you want to say. Let me give you an excuse to say that we did it before so that right. you go away, because right. I don't want to deal with you right now. Right. That's basically what they're saying. Yeah. And you got to press on that, which is, you know, if you did it before. So tell me about that. Right. What was that? What did you try to do? Right. How did you try to make it happen? And then press people into giving you a reason because a reason can be fixed, an excuse can't. Right. right. And so that's just part of our work. And we talked about a lot. Of, we talked about that a lot the other day in our session where p- these questions get thrown out and people, as I like to call, popcorn pop right. up. And they don't really want to be in the meeting. They've been told they have to be in the meeting. They think they got a thousand other priorities, and this ain't one more thing they want to pick up on their plate of responsibilities. And if they can throw something out in the ocean that causes a ripple and push you back, they're going to throw it out there right. because that's what they're conditioned to do. As you're looking at this working, as we round out in closing this, Mike, what is the thing that keeps you up at night when you're like working and you're like, man, I gotta figure this out or I need to do this? Like, what keeps you up at night?
2: Right now within education, there, there were challenges before COVID. Child, COVID. We had trust issues in education. You know, I'm coming from an educator background and, and, and I'm facing forward that way. We had some trust issues yeah. then. When COVID hits and we got three weeks where everybody's like, I didn't know my kid did, acted this way, didn't do their homework <laughs> this way. All of a sudden teachers were heroes, but then what they begin to realize, they don't know what they're doing. They don't have the right platform. They don't know how to do that. No, because nobody ever had a pandemic plan. Mm. And so we've lost that trust in education and there are so many ch- And we Here's the thing that I, I do think, they blamed it on COVID, which definitely had a huge impact, but I'm like, these things were right there bubbling and we either yeah. weren't paying attention to mm. it or we were just, you know, you're trying to address, you know, whack-a-mole. You're trying to address it as it comes up. Now everything just, they just turned the machine off and everything popped up and mm-hmm. we got them all there and you can't whack nothing. They ain't moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's keeping me up at night is how do we take some of these ideas that you and I are working on to scale? And some of that's a business issue, mm-hmm. you know, because, like, how can I reach more people? How can we get more resources? How can we get the next, like I, I build everything off a of contract so i go out and earn my money and then i take some of that money and try to figure out the next thing to do and yeah. how much, or somebody says we want this and we work that out so the stuff that i now have available for people we was everything was a try everything was a pilot mm-hmm. but what's keeping me up at night is how do we with all these challenges still get the message out that one of the ways you can fix some of these challenges is by getting fathers involved the first thing we should do is bring in the family as a team member, particularly with the father in tow in all of that. He's part of that family, sim, you know, that family. But that's the last thing we're doing because we're fighting fire so much. And my, mm. what's keeping me up is how do we, how do we change the narrative, but right. change the narrative in such a way that it's like, you know, if we ask the families and fathers first... People say, why do you see fathers and families? I said, because you're not including fathers in, in the families when you use that language. Mm. So until I can get you back to that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say fathers and families, right. but we're, the, the, we're going to the last line of defense, which should be the first one. And so what keeps me up is like, how do we change, how do we switch to, it's almost a 180, but also how do we get to scale because our challenges in the country, in education, uh, in policy that you and I have kicked around, even what we heard about today and things, uh, what's keeping me up is how do we get this to scale in such a way that now everybody understands you know we all understand kids go to college they do better right but nobody argues that anymore right. I'm now arguing that trades are doing better than college mm-hmm. but that's another discussion that's another whole podcast right but what we need everybody to understand that fathers are an integral part of a kid's education mm-hmm. and yeah the the how might change because things change? Absolutely, but we should not be still dealing with the wine. Yeah. If you want to know that, that <laughs> I said all those words to say what keeps me up at night is how do I change everybody's
1: wine. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's so frustrating. You know, I was thinking about, and that kind of leads me to this kind of my last question for you as we kind of think about the new folks that are coming into the space. I'm watching new guys and new and new women walk into the space, and they, it seems like. They're starting at spaces that we started at, which right. is backing in. And I'm like, if I knew, if I were, if I was able to gleam on what Mike has learned, what Keith has learned, what Eric has learned, what Joe has learned, what Ron has learned, what Pat Littlejohn has learned, what people have learned in this space, is that there is a level of focus that is necessary to do this. Right. Because... If you get here and you believe that you can do it all, you're already failing, mm. right? And so I struggle sometimes with people call and ask for partnerships and my response to them, which is put it on paper, let me know what you're thinking and then we'll review it and we see right. if there's an opportunity for us to partner on something. But partnership for me is not putting my name next to yours on a flyer. Right. That's not partnership, that's association. And I have a whole nother issue with association if I don't know who you are. I also have a problem with it. I know you get this all the time. Hey, you know, um, such and such, I saw and I went to your um, program and, but I know that you're in Dallas, but I'm in West Dallas. And I think that something, the same thing should go on in West Dallas. Can I come and pick your brain for an hour and right. have lunch with you so right. I can do what you're doing in West Dallas? Like, okay, what's your plan? What? Why are you trying to reinvent the wheel over in West right. Dallas? And then And what is the value of my information if you believe that I can just sit down for two hours and talk and brainstorm with you about an idea and something that I'm laboring with all the time? And some people might think that that's like an arrogant way to think. And it's not because I used to not tell you this story. When I first got into the work, one of the people that I reached out to was Joe Jones. He was the—he was at the top Jones of Joe's the up. dude, yeah. He was the dude. He was with um, George Bush, and then uh, he was being touted, and he was on CNN, and I saw the CNN special, and I'm like, yeah, that's it right there. Right. And this was before texts and before emails and all this stuff, and I sat down in my little Selectric, and I was like.
2: <laughs> we, we both know what we're talking about, and people don't know what we're talking about.
1: <laughs> hey, Mr. Jones, you know, my name is Kenneth Braswell. I'm in New York, and blah, blah, blah. blah blah blah. it's about I still have that letter it's about it's about a a page and a half and I sent that thing to him and it was it was crickets it was crickets 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 and the longer the space between me typing that thing and him responding I was getting more and more pissed and pissed and pissed and pissed and then probably about a year and a half maybe two years after that I met him and I said Hey, you know, my name is Kenneth Braswell. I wrote you a letter like two years ago. <laughs> did you get it? Right. Yeah. He's looking at me like... You know how many letters I get? <laughs> <laughs> and, <I said, laughs> and I was still kind of hot. And I said, yo, you didn't even, you didn't even respond to me. And then he, he said, listen, he says, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of things to do this. And I heard his reasoning that day. And I still kind of somewhat dismissed it. It was kind of like, no, you just kind of giving me a, a, right. a, an excuse, that, but you really don't want to talk to me. And then I watched them. Right. And then I watched his work, and I said, oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. What do you think our responsibility is to be – what do you think our responsibility is to find ways to incre- create environments so that what you and I are doing is paid forward?
2: Yeah, so I, I'd, I'd have that same thing. You know, and I'm trying to build my stuff, and I'm trying to figure things out, and you see people with what you think is an opportunity. It doesn't even, and, you know, I've, we've done this so long, you're like, that didn't end up being the opportunity I thought. So when I first started doing this and I found these successful things, I just kept telling everybody because there was part of me that felt like, from being a young guy out there, um, that was a long time ago that I was a young guy out there right when I thought I'm like that's a long time ago but but it's like I just want all y'all to know this and then I would tell them and then I'm like so y'all came and y'all saw the training or you know my session or whatever what are y'all doing and like we got home and we're like we don't know how you did it or we tried it and we but we you know we got other things going mm-hmm. so I thought I got to write this down I got to put this in a book I got to so I, I wrote a manual mm-hmm. and then and I tried to all but give it away mm-hmm. you know like hey I want you to go do this work. I got enough. Work. I'm, I'm, I'm making a living. I'm doing my thing. Duh, duh, duh. And very few people would take it. And I'm like, okay, I'm on charge for it. Mm. I got more people interested. Yeah. And there's a there's a perceived perceived value, right? But the other part of that was, as people would come to me like that, I want to do what you do. Mm. Okay, if you want to do what I do, then do it this way. Right. Well, I was thinking this, then you don't want to do what I do. Right. right if you right. want to see the success, what some of them want to do is just get up and talk. And I'm like, I don't. T- I facilitate. Right. <laughs> I'm really good at talking. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. what my success here is not. I say the right words in the right way. I'm leading people through a process, and so and then, and then I'm like, uh, I, I might need to go up on this. I went up, but people are going to reject it. I went up on it. And more people wanted it, but it was going back to, the, putting the tools together and then go. This is what I do. This is how I do it. These are the results I've had. Now, you may not be looking for the results I can produce for you. Mm. That's fine. We okay. just And i got to get over that. It's like, oh, you're trying to get somewhere else. That's not what I do. All right. you know. But if you want the results I've been talking about, you do it this way and you do it this way. Well, I, do you want the results I'm talking about? We know that right now here's the results you're going to get. And I have this resource for you. And like I said, I, I hope that someday they blow the dust off of these books that i am written,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then maybe they haven't done, unfortunately maybe haven't done it 10, 15 years, whatever it is. And then they're like, wait, like I've been in education a long time. My dad was a teacher and a coach, so I've really been in education about 56 years, you know? And not the whole hundred. Not the whole hundred, no, but I, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know professionally I can give you 30, and then just as a kid being raised in the schools, the reason I did what I do, and the reason my sons are teachers, you know? And you would say, oh, we got this new thing. And I'm like, that ain't nothing but what we did then, but it's still good stuff. No, fine, you called it something different, but it's good, like this on instructional side. That's good instruction. Uh, You're calling it something different. Somebody stole it or mm-hmm. uh, they blew the dust off of it and went, wait, mm-hmm. this stuff works. That's what I hope we see is that The things we're saying, the things that people, you know, you have catchphrases. They're not catchphrases, but the things you say that really impact people. Mm -hmm. I've got mine, you've got yours, and we want to get all those words out. The the products, if you will, that we have, these methodologies that should continue to work because people are people, that paying it forward is I want to leave behind a body of work that is indisputably effective, again, for what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And I also have gotten enough confidence in our work. It's like, oh, you don't want to do what I do. I, I'm not worried about you anymore. Please go do it. Or, hey, I know Kenneth, and Kenneth has done what you're trying to do. Let's get you with Kenneth. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's the beauty of our coalition. We begin to realize that not, none of us want to own the whole space. Right. We have worked with people in the past that have come along. You know, we are really second-generation guys mm-hmm. to the original guys, but the original guys, if you will, had so much around it ego and otherwise, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I learned from that. I'm like, that, got, that, gets, that doesn't progress the field. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think that's the thing that we need people to know is when you find something that works, like I said, don't reinvent it. Take that. Now you're gonna learn, and you're gonna you may come up with the next thing. That's how I got started. Mm-hmm. My stuff works now because I got I, I became the next thing mm-hmm. from the good things that I learned in, originally, and mm-hmm. some of that I still do. Right. And some of that I'm like, that's not the way to do it now because this is more effective.
1: Right. And so. generationally, things gotta change. Like yeah, what we what we thought was gonna work with parents 30 years ago. Not working with these new parents, this is a new, I'm, I know when you're in schools, you're looking like, whoa, this is a new whole new breed of parents. Right. They think a whole new different way. Um, and we gotta begin to think about that. Mike, tell people how to get in touch with you and how to um, get you into their schools.
2: We're at strongfathers.com, strongfathers.com. My email's mikehall at strongfathers.com. We've got a contact page there. Um, you know, we've got strongfathers.com slash learn more. Kinda of shows you some videos that schools have done of our work. Uh, a podcast or things like this that we've done and just people can get those resources. Um, And I always tell people, yeah, we have training that costs money. we got curriculum that costs money, but phone calls and emails are free. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not your partner. I'm not your (laughs) associate, but I am here to help you. If you want to engage fathers and you want to help kids by getting their dads involved, Mm -hmm. I'll help you any way I can. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, please take my ideas and information and run with them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you want to, if you want to get serious, then here's how you do that too. But yeah, I want to continue this discussion. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today.
1: Nah, thank you so much, Mike. I don't get a, uh, enough opportunities to spend time and glean from people that I really am inspired by and respect, um, and don't get enough opportunities to say, "Hey, man, I'm watching you. Keep going, keep grinding, right. keep being yeah. great." Those kinds of things. And these opportunities allow me to kind of do that. In the fast pace of what we do yeah. and how we're out there, and then in the ship of the night kind of occurrences that we have, mm-hmm. crossing at a conference or something like that. So keep doing your thing, and you know I'm always available to you 100 100 hours a day uh, for the next hundred years. <laughs> yeah, right? next hundred years, exactly. <laughs> and so thank you everybody again for listening to I Am dad podcast. I'm your host Kenneth Braswell, my guest today. Mike Hall, who was the founder, chief visionary, sustainer, um, and all things, all things good and all things right with strong fathers, strong families. And until next Sunday, until we meet again, have a blessed week and take care.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us. You've been listening to I Am Dad podcast. We hope that you have been informed, encouraged you to think, or even inspired your heart for the love of dads. The conversation does not end here. Come back and join us next week. Same time, same place. Or you can continue the dialogue on our I Am Dad Facebook page. We also invite you to listen to past episodes, learn more about us, and keep up with special activities by visiting IAmDadPodcast.com. That's IAmDadPodcast.com. Until next time, I leave you with this reminder of manhood from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child i spoke as a child i understood as a child i thought as a child but when i became a man i put away childish things because of this reminder i will always understand that i am dad period